It's time for JT the Brick. I love you, JT. You're a very honest person, and you have never shied away from the truth. Here we go again. Do it. Do it. All hands on deck. I'm coming to get you. Bring the energy that I bring. Do something. Get out of the soft zone. I won't waste your time. Your time is valuable to me. I don't hold back on anything. We're doing our job. As I often say, Raider Nation Unite, this would be a good time to pretend you're all in. Man, do I sound Mr. Wonderful and optimistic, huh? JT the Brick. I'm done with. We got to clean it up. Done. Clean it up is over. It's put up or shut up week. There are no rules here. Bobby insists no rules. That's kind of a hostile work environment for me. Is it too soft? I'm salty. I'm pissed off. But I want to see some violence. The wolves are at the door. This is it. You got me? This is it. Let's stop this. Let's get to work and do your job. And now. Let's go. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Final hour of the week here on the Raider flagship. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and that Raiders mobile app. Our conversation with Lincoln Kennedy. Now, we like to drop in here every Friday, and my conversation with the head coach, the interim head coach, Antonio Pierce, coming up here in a few moments. Very rewarding day as I was out at the Nevada Vets home with the Vets. A couple of Raider alumni, grateful for that opportunity. Man, I've done it a bunch in the past. I mentioned it in the hour number one, just fulfilling to talk to members of the military, a few gentlemen today who served a long time ago and are under the care of the Nevada Veterans Home, and the Raiders have a proud partnership with them. So that made my weekend. That made my weekend. It's a salute to service weekend. You'll see everyone dressed up in the military garb on the sideline for the Raiders. The coaches will have the new look that you're seeing around the NFL and just proud to be a part of that today. Whenever I get an opportunity to represent the Raiders and MC these chalk talks with alumni and get a chance to look the men and women who protect us, who are now at a point in their lives where they need care, it's just great to see that they're taken care of the way it should be for generations to come. Proud to be a part of that today. So before we get to Antonio Pierce, I thought we did a pretty good job this week, and the calls were great on how important this game is. So as we sit here on a Friday, I have my bucket of Modellos in about an hour. I'm going to the Golden Knights tonight. We're a week away from F1, and we got Sunday night football in town here, up and down the strip with all the concerts, all the big events here. Yeah, we're going to have a traffic Armageddon coming up here for another week or so here, but I think it's going to look great when F1 is on TV next week. At least I hope it does for the city, and I hope everybody who's working the event is safe and has a really good time. But Sunday night, we're back at the Torch, so come see us when the building opens up. If you're tailgating, you're wrapping up your tailgating. Come and see us at the Torch, Eric Allen and myself. I think Mike Golick's going to join us live. He's going to be on the broadcast on Westwood One. We'll have a big-time alumni. All the alumni are important, but some of the big names come to see us at the Torch. Vinny Bonsignor will be our NFL insider. So grab a beverage and come on over to the Torch and get ready for Sunday night football. The vibe is completely different, unbelievably different. Uh, Yesterday, my conversation with the interim head coach, Antonio Pierce. We welcome in Antonio Pierce and Coach. First off, congratulations! Epic win, celebration in the locker room, victory Monday. How's the team? And you've been the entire week. Been good. Uh, obviously, just the rule in the NFL, right? Twenty-four hours. Mm-hmm. Celebrate, enjoy it, embrace it, move on. And uh, the guys came in ready to work on Wednesday. Great in meetings again. Another very um, pur- purposeful uh, practice on Wednesday. 
Um, and then again, obviously, we're getting after it today. It was completely different in the parking lot pregame. After the game, the fans walking out, staying even later. Did you notice it? Did you feel the juice rifle when you pulled in? Uh, they, yeah, they, they noticed the car. <laughs> I was driving my Impala, and I, you know, I think everybody noticed it finally. But um, I did. I, I sensed the energy when I was pulling in. You can, you can hear it. You can, kind of, you can just feel it. It was one of those deals where you felt it. And then obviously after the game, driving out, stayed a little bit later. And, uh, yeah, the parking lots were still full. <laughs> People were still walking down the streets, leaving the game. So everybody had a good time. Excellent. One of the things I asked you last week was halftime adjustments. You were up really big at the half. I wonder, because you didn't have a dress rehearsal, what was that like, that period, to talk to the team, make adjustments, and speak to them again? Yeah, just just remember, like, what we talked about, like, don't worry about what happened in the first half, good or bad. Obviously, it went our way. Uh, we were up big. Uh, but then it was about, you know, how do we finish? You know, and we, wanted, we didn't want to be sloppy. Obviously, we wanted you know, have more production like we wanted on offense. And defensively, we were trying to pitch a shutout. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, we played the way we wanted to play. Uh, there was less, there was no penalties. We did a better job uh, defensively, stopped them uh, on third downs. And then we brought pressure late in the game. And I thought that was good. And for our offense, it, it stuck with it, right? Don't turn the ball over, run the football, and then protect the quarterback. And again, you know, we got out pretty healthy in that game, and that was the most important thing, and then get ready to move on next week. It seemed like you really wanted to establish the run. That was a purpose. You were able to do that and get Josh Jacobs going with this whole line. Yeah, just, you know, we talked about that last mm-hmm. week. Just want to get that mentality going just with our guys. And whenever the old line and the D line are rolling, most teams are playing good football. And I, I was impressed to see our offensive line, the way they came off the ball, the way they handled, you know, a, a defense that was very good the last couple of weeks for the Giants. They did a really good job with the front, and the same they were for our defense. Uh, defensive line the way we got after the quarterback. I was impressed. I want to stay with the O-line. You spent a lot of time with them last week. Is that the same so far this week? You really feel like this heart and soul group can keep the season rolling? Yes, sir. Uh, That's where I've been at in every meeting, focused on the individual. And then also it's just a learning tool for Mm. me, right? I've been on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. Just to learn what they're doing over there, the techniques, the terminology, to see those guys working together. That's the biggest thing. I want to see that those five guys be that glue, you know, become that fist uh, and that hammer that we want them to be. So just sit here and try to get a feel so they can get a feel for me as well because we didn't spend a lot of time together over the last 22 months. Aiden O'Connell had a clean game, really clean game. Bo did a lot to get him yep. ready. Can you take us back to what went on, what you saw during the week and how it played out? Well, just go back to his first start, mm-hmm. <laughs> the six yep. acts and all that. What, we didn't want to see that again. They didn't want to see it at all costs protect the quarterback. Keep him clean one time. I believe he got hit one time the whole yeah. game. And our guys did a great job. And he did a really good job, too, now, get rid of the ball. Mm-hmm. He realized from week one, his first start to down this week, can't hold on to the ball in the National Football League. You know, there's a clock. And he'll get better and better at that internally. But I think the guys up front really took pride in two things, right? Running the ball and protecting the quarterback. And that was our big emphasis throughout the week. The deep shot, not only the deep shot, but I like the formation five wide. A lot of fans, I call for it on the radio, just take a shot once or twice so the safeties will trust you. Can you walk me through that deep ball and how it came through, and especially the blocking and everything that came together? You know, it's got to start there, right? Yeah. Well, let's mm-hmm. back up. How does it really start? you got to run the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you're not going to get anybody right point. You know, to, to get sucked up on the play action. But once we did that and established that, okay, well, when is it? What happened? When did it come? After our turnover. Right. Big made a great play. Go out there. All right, here we go, boys. Here it is. And we got some guys that can run, run. They can run, run. Uh, <laughs> and Tucker's one of them. And whenever we get an opportunity for him to just really showcase his speed and his talent, uh, that's a benefit for us. And I thought, and what we talked about Aiden, we said throw it as far as you can. Throw it. They'll go get it. <laughs> throw it. And the way we were playing, obviously, is a great, one, protection. Two, 
you know, the throw and then the catch and the finish was amazing. All right, let's get to the Jets. Obviously, the Jets and the Raiders statistically have struggled against the run, but you feel like it's getting better. The tackling has improved. Seems like it's a big running game because whoever stops the run best can get the quarterback going like we've been talking about. Yeah, two defensive head coaches, right? Yeah, so, sure. come on. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. <laughs> I think the game will be over in about less than three hours. Um, but um, it's going to be, I think, both sides. You know, who's going to win the line scrimmage? That's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come, to come down to the guys up front. Uh, they have a very dynamic running back, can break off a lot of big runs. He's done a really good job coming back from injury. Their offensive line, regardless of what's going on up front, you know, they take pride in coming off the rock, some big human beings there at tackle. And then on the other side of the ball, defensively, you know, they got four guys that can really go. You know, you've seen what they did in San Francisco, now they brought that into with the New York Jets. It's going to be a really challenge for our guys. They're up to it. Obviously, uh, they're coming off a tough loss. We're coming off a win. Uh, neither one matters. It's all about, you know, who has that mentality come. Yeah, I want to follow up with Coach Sala because you know the New York media. And yeah, the New York media, after a loss, can really straighten the team out because that media is 24-7 back there. His style as a defensive coach coming from the 49ers, what you've seen as a head coach, he's very loyal to his quarterback and Zach Wilson and to his team, and they play hard for him. They do. And, and I mean, they put good product and good um, play on the mm-hmm. field. You know, they just had a rough stretch the other day. They were on a three-game win streak going yeah, into the game. Absolutely, everybody's talking about the hottest team, and and you know, in New York, you can go from here to here real quick. Mm-hmm. And I would expect those guys to bounce back. They're reflecting their head coach. He's been successful in his business for a long time. He's done it the right way. He understands how this game is played um, through toughness and and just technique and fundamental. When you watch them, that's, it's a well-rounded, sounded group. And I think for us, you know, we're going to have to be the same kind of group we were last week and better. Wrapping it up with uh, what Sauce does, Sauce Gardner, and the yeah. fact that they have an elite secondary there and maybe some things are opened up underneath. Your tight ends in this game feel like a big part of this. Established in the run, over the middle of the field, catching balls, and you have physical tight ends that maybe can wear down these linebackers and safeties. Yeah, our tight ends have been playing yeah. uh, pretty good the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Hoop and, and Myers really doing a great job. And just, just the physicality when they're running the ball is what I'm impressed with. You know what I mean? It kind of goes back to the old school days where the tight end get the ball and they try to just run you over. There ain't no running around with our group. You know, they don't, they don't fair dodging with this group. But more importantly, they take pride in both the run game and the passing game. You know what I mean? So when you watch these two guys, I think the matchups will be uh, something that we'll have to look at, into. Uh, but more importantly, you just see the development, though, mm-hmm. of Mike. Big Mike coming along now. Yeah. Big Mike coming along. Big Mike get a little confidence now. He walk around the building with a little swag. I can tell. And, and, and it's good to see, man. It's really good for the quarterback, too. Because, right, if they take away the tape, what everybody does, and all that stuff on the outside. What underneath stuff is your running backs and tight ends, and that's a good thing for our offense. want to ask you about salute to service from your days in New York and around the country in D.C. What does the men and women who serve this country mean to you? Yeah, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be able to walk around with the freedom uh, to speak the way we speak, to talk the way we talk, to look the way we look, uh, to act and interact with one another without their services. So obviously it's a big week. We'll have our uniform just like you do. We'll, we'll look the part and uh, obviously give them their flowers. Coach, last one, the Raider Nation. You knew about them before this game, but now coming out of it, give us one thing you've learned about Raider Nation since you became the interim head coach. Ooh, it's a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. more than I thought. They're, they come from all walks of life. You know what I mean? And they ain't talking about humans, too. We get the little animals. We got dogs running around yeah. as Raiders. They barking Raiders. But, uh, no, listen, it was, it was amazing to see our stadium and the electricity and, the, and how loud it was and the energy that they brought along with our players. You match those two things together, there, boom. You know, that's what you got there on Sunday. And hopefully we get the same thing because without them and without their energy and noise, you know, these guys, it's totally different. That's why we play the game. It's obviously for the fans and ourselves. Good luck, Coach. Thank you. So you can tell Coach is really fired up. 
It's different for me. Again, uh, the former coach, Josh McDaniels, he really went into details on the opponent in the game. This is a different type of interview. It's very hyped. It's very intense. It's very high energy. Not that other interviews aren't great that I've had in the past, but this one's completely different. Uh, This guy gets it. He understands the importance of what it is and what the Raider fans need now. And I think everybody who's listening today, you would admit it, as a Raider fan, you needed something. And no matter who was named the interim head coach, you'd get that interim head coach pop. But I think Coach Pierce is a little bit different here. He understands that he's auditioning for an an NFL head coaching job, and hopefully it's with the Raiders. So he's out there, and this guy is working his tail off. And I love the communication. I think the big thing coming forward here is we know the hype's going to be there from Robert Sala. We know that the Raiders' sideline's going to be pumped up. Everybody's going to be up for this game because it's Sunday night. Salute to service, and the whole world's going to be watching it. I think the energy will be there for both teams. The execution of the passing game with Aiden O'Connell is going to be really important here because the Jets are really good on the back end. If they cheat up and try to stop the run because they think Josh Jacobs is going to get it all night, Aiden O'Connell is going to have to throw over the top. And either way, he should attack and throw over the top here to soften up the secondary. So hopefully that gets the running game going with Josh Jacobs. So, again, appreciate our conversation with uh, the interim head coach, Antonio Pierce. I like he talked about the Impala. He drove his car, and now everybody's noticing his car. And then when he left to see all the fans out there, that matters. You know, it's different than Oakland. If you've been to an Oakland Raider game back in the day where the players and coaches' parking lot would come right up from underground and the black hole used to be right there and guys would get out of their cars or roll down their windows. A little bit different at Allegiant Stadium there, but it's fantastic that the coach notices all of this which is really important. He notices all of it. That conversation brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Notice there are two big billboards outside of Legion Stadium. If you get into an accident or any type of legal question that you have that's really important in your life, they are family. Let the brothers handle it. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, 702-222-9999 is the number. Very easy to remember, 702 222 9999 if you want to jump in with them uh, they'll give you the advice you need and their staff is incredible with all the locations they have here in the valley coming up next it's our Raiders roundtable I love it here because we get to hear Lincoln Kennedy on my show you get to hear him on Q's show a bunch he's fantastic this was early in the week and he had a lot to say from the Giants win and what to look forward to with the Jets as we join you live on Friday here big weekend here salute to service on the flagship of the Silver and Black. This is Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the show as we continue here on a Friday brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. Man, I'm looking at the clock. See that clock top of the hour? Bucket of Modelo's. I got my buddy Brad in town, a couple of other friends here. Have a nice cold beverage, reward myself for the week. Love the week and love everybody who joined us here on the flagship. Lincoln Kennedy, along with Eddie Pascal. And we walked into Host Raiders Roundtable on Tuesday. High energy. Really excited about it. You know, it's been tough this year. Some of these Raiders Roundtables were busting our chops trying to make it good and entertaining, especially with all the video if you're following along on YouTube. Uh, This is the audio portion of that with Eddie Pascal 
and the great Lincoln Kennedy. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable. JT, Eddie Pascal, we bring in the great Lincoln Kennedy. And Lincoln, let's just work off before we get into the game, just the happiness inside the locker room, the cigars, the fun, the coach. Raiders needed that at the right time if they were going to pivot and turn this season around. A lot of drama going into that game, and the Raiders delivered. Yeah, first of all, it's good to be with you guys. There's two things I will say. First and foremost, congratulations, Raiders. AP, you guys did a hell of a job. But I will say this. When you're yelling Raiders, it's got to be one breath. You can't take a (laughs) breath in between. So you can't say, Raiders. No, no, no. It's got to be one breath. You got to work on that, breathing from that diaphragm. And and the second part, hey, guys, if you're going to break out cigars, let's do it after we have at least five, six wins before. But I get it. I get it. Hey, look, I'm all happy for you. No, You know what? Here's the thing. JT, we were talking about it, you know, and a lot of people had asked me, what, what could we expect? from the Raiders this past Sunday with AP getting a new deal. And I said, we just don't know. Today's player, in my opinion, guys, is very different than what I was accustomed to. Very different than what Antonio Pierce played with and played accustomed to. And it's been my experience that coaches that who have played the game before generally want their players to take on the same type of attitude, preparation, and, and execution that they did as pros. A lot of times that's not the case. It's always harder to get that out of someone else that you thought that you might have gotten out of yourself. But with that being said, I think that we saw a tremendous effort this past Sunday against the Giants. Now, for you guys, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I'm taking it tongue-in-cheek because, first of all, the Giants aren't a very good team, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the Raiders got to win as they should against the team they should have beat. But I felt the same thing about Pittsburgh. I felt the same thing about Chicago. Ended up getting two losses. I'm not saying the season is over with by any stretch of the imagination, but the Raiders need to play more like that going forward, especially when they get into playing some of those good offensive teams like the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%, Link. I mean, this Raiders team is going to have a huge test in front of them this Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium. But, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, and I forget who uh, who asked it during his introductory press conference, but someone asked AP about how he's evolved as a coach. And he gave this great answer about, hey, you know, I've been a high school coach, I've worked in college, and now I've, I've been in the NFL, and I've been able to grow and mature. And I've had guys on every step of the journey, and he understands how you have to change. To your point, Link, that the, the NFL player in 2023 is a lot different than the NFL player in 2001. Lincoln, from a player's perspective, how important is it that AP can relate to the guys in that locker room, that he can speak their language, that he understands the value of a day off during a long season? First of all, I'll say, I, I say relation, relating to the players, I think is a little overrated. Results mm. are what the players want to see. I don't, you know, it's, it's in my opinion that a nine-year-old young girl can coach a team. If she wins, they'll win and they'll be successful. They don't care who it is. They just want to, they just want to win. And that's what the players want. The players, players don't go to a team to lose. They don't. You'll have players that'll get in that mode and start collecting a check. But for the most part, they don't go to a team. They don't want to be on a team to lose. Nobody wants to lose uh, on in the level of competition. So I think as far as AP has been able to relate one, you learn from your mistakes as you go up that ladder. As you excel up that ladder, that coaching ladder, you learn what you did, you did well, learn what you can sort of uh, duplicate, and you learn what you might need to stay away from, might need to refrain from. That's all a learning process. Even some of the most older and savvy veteran coaches had to learn these certain these lessons as they move along. For AP, it comes down to managing a team. You are the linebacker coach, and you do have some say in that, that side of the room. But more importantly, we need you to manage the team. When to go? Are we going for it on fourth down? Are we punting? Are we kicking? Should we try an onside kick? Should we go for it on fourth down? Managing a game. That's what the head coach, to me, is involved in. This other stuff, you know, as being a, a, 
a player's coach, I think that's a little bit overrated because you can't be too close to the players uh, or, you know, they might turn on you or might not give you what you want. It's, it's good to have some sense of authority and that hierarchy naturally built in. But more importantly, it's about the results, Eddie. Lincoln, I think it was evident to everyone that they wanted to run the ball. That was the game plan. A new offensive coordinator, and they've still been trying to get Josh Jacobs going. Two check marks. It was an easier game plan to run it, get the offensive line going downhill, play physical because Antonio Pierce said all week the physical aspect of it was what he would deliver. He would make sure that would be there to start off the game. What do you think, sitting in the booth with Jason Horowitz and seeing a heavy dose of Jacobs early in this game? Well, I, I thought we've gotten better, progressively better in the run game. Now, that's still one game. This next chance, uh, team that you're going to take on the Jets is pretty darn going good against the run, too. So you'll have another chance to go out there. But the thing is, is that what we saw, we saw a commitment to not only calling the plays, but we also saw a better commitment, guys, collectively out of the execution. I saw the the front line, the offensive line of the Raiders block the box, which you were supposed to. I'm, I want the corners and safeties to make the tackles on my running back rather than linebackers or defensive line. And I think that's what they've done. So going forward, I think it's a lesson uh, to, that's going to definitely um, pay big dividends for the Raiders. But most importantly, guys, it's, it's about the execution. What I saw this past Sunday was that the Raiders got after them and then they got a little confidence. That confidence, you know, kind of grew as the game went on, but I knew they absolutely essential to have a running game because a running game, in, in essence, is a young quarterback's best friend. You know, like we talk about the commitment to the running game, season-high rushing attempts for the Silver and Black, 34, which is music to my ears, especially to your point, Link, with a young quarterback. But we, we heard from Josh about, uh, Jake, as I should say, after the game about getting in a rhythm, right, and knowing that he was going to get his reps. For an offensive line, right, for the big guys up front, Link, when you know that's going to be kind of the plan, that's going to be the goal, the objective, does it help the big guys up front, those front five to get into a rhythm, knowing, hey, we're going to have 30-plus chances to go kind of exert our will on the defensive line. Well, without having a number in mind, what you want to do is you want to go out there, and when the first run happens, Eddie, you want to come off the ball. You want to knock that other SOB in the mouth, and more importantly, you want to have good production on that first run because you want to look over to the sidelines and see whoever the run coordinator, the run caller, the, the coaches are. You want to be able to shake your head like, yeah, we got it. We got this. Let's do this. That's what offensive linemen do. We like to salivate. We like to slobber at the mouth because we want to knock somebody in the mouth. And the only way you do that is by going forward. If you have success with those runs, like we saw early in the game, JT and Eddie, then it's more you're more apt to call it later in the game. And sometimes those two, three-yard runs will break into a big, nice little chunk of the game if it's not a breakaway. I thought it was great that they handed it to Jacoby Myers in the backfield and Josh had a couple of touchdowns. I like the way that Bo called the game because you had guys in motion. They went five wide. Everybody on the Giants' sideline knew it was Josh Jacobs' day. They couldn't stop him, and they had sustained drives. What was only interesting to me, Lincoln, before you came on, we were saying that the game was over so early. I think it changed the overall game plan of what they wanted to do. They didn't want to give the ball away. Daniel Jones is out of the game. Do you think they get a little bit conservative after that because, A, they're running it well, and, B, the Giants' starting quarterback's out for the game, and they had a big lead, and they wanted to put a bow on it and make sure they could secure that lead? Well, JT, that conservatism is both ways. It goes with the coaches as well as the players. A player looks up on the screen and says, look, we got them down 24 nothing or 27-6 or something like that. You think the game is over. Mm-hmm. You're counting the minutes to be the game is over. You're not really thinking about that. That also affects your, your psyche if you think about it, guys. You're not coming off with the same vigor, the same amount of umph in the first quarter that you did in the fourth quarter when you know the game's in hand or it's, you're, you're not as pressed. 
So there is going to be a little bit of, uh, of being conservative in, in those realms. That's going to happen. I think that's a natural tear. What I was most concerned about, and I told Jason in the second half of the broadcast, I want to see if the Raiders can finish because I know the Giants are going to make it, uh, adjustments, and they did. Uh, and they were able to do some things, moving the ball the second half they weren't able to do in the first half. But the big thing for me was the Raiders making adjustments. Okay, we see they want to run Saquon Barkley. Okay, you know they're going to try to find a way to get the ball to number 26. More importantly, you'll know that they're going to try to find a way to get the quarterback, the ball to the quarterback's hands, whomever it is, you know, either uh, Danielson or uh, uh, DeVito. And you saw that. You saw that in the second half. And you also saw them have a little bit of success. So the, my issue is always about the Raiders finishing games. We got spoiled last year when we saw this offense and the Raiders jump up on people, several opponents with double-digit deficits, not make the same adjustments in the second half, and then end up losing the game. You know, Link, you and I have talked so much this year about the Raiders' red zone woes, and it had to be better. It had to be better. Well, it certainly was better Sunday against the Giants. They go 3 or 4 in the red zone. But to me, so much of what we saw for the first, you know, whatever it is, eight games of the year, was it, it felt confusing down in the red zone. It felt like, hey, are we getting too cute? What's our identity? Who do we want to be? And so many times I'm sitting up in the box, I'm going, just run the ball. You got one of the best running backs in the NFL. Run the ball in the red zone. And that's exactly what they did against the Giants. They ran the ball 70% of the plays in the red zone. Like, we talk about that offensive line getting in a groove. We talk about Josh getting confident. I mean, what is that? Me- what kind of message does that send to the defense? You say, hey, we're down. We're down close to the goal line. And what we're going to do, we're not going to get too fancy. We are going to run the ball right down your throat. Well, I mean, as far as the message sends to the rest of the team is that, you know, we're going to take care of business and we'd much rather score touchdowns and field goals. I think that's what it what it says to the rest of the team. Look, the thing when it comes down to it, guys, we you know, prior to this giant game, we saw the Raiders try to run the ball in the red zone. We saw the Raiders, you know, kind of hit their head against the goalposts and, and not necessarily in a good way of scoring touchdowns, more field goals and touchdowns. And so offensively, this team has been challenged for quite some time. This was their first breakout game of the season. How long did how how many people expected it to wait to this time before you said that about the offense? But I will say this. You know, when it comes down to execution and it comes down to um, play selection, what I was, what I've been seriously lacking, and I'm only seeing it in brief spots this season with the Raiders, is creativity. You know, when you watch other teams, you watch, and I hate to say it, but you watch the Kansas City Chiefs over in Germany. They got creative when they got down there in the red zone. They got creative when they got around the goalpost, I mean, the goal line. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take, to me, a level of ingenuity and creativity to find a way to get the ball to number 17 when you know they're going to double-team double, double team him. If you have him on the outside receiver, you know there's going to be a safety over top and there's going to be a corner underneath. You already know that. So you've got to find more creative ways of doing that. Either put another receiver out there or put him in slot, try to find a way to get the ball, but you've got to move him around. And that's what I think we have to open up creativity-wise with this offense. We have to show more creativity with the offense because you've got a number of playmakers. Jacoby Myers has come on the scene. You got Devontae Adams. You got Josh Jacobs. You can catch out of the backfield. Hunter Renfro, Michael Mayer. I mean, the list goes on and on. I can go down the list of potential threats and players, impact players, but we got to find a way to get them the football. Well, good segue to Aiden O'Connell, who got his first win, and he had a clean stat sheet, and that was important. He didn't turn it over. I thought he had command of the huddle. He got in and out of the huddle when he had to. As we listen and look at some of the highlights of this game, I like his poise. I said that even in the Charger game. He threw the interception late, but I like the way he looked in that game and handled the media before and after. So, Lincoln, I'm good with him. Okay, this is Jimmy Garoppolo's team a couple of weeks ago. It no longer is. And and AP, Coach AP said that we're going to need Jimmy later in the season. And he's probably right. This is a violent league here. But coming off what you saw him do in L.A. against the Chargers, what obvious improvements and maybe some improvements our viewers and listeners didn't see that you liked at a number four? 
a better understanding of the defense and how defenses are going to play them. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. The difference between the Charger game and what I saw against the Giants. A better understanding of the defense and how they're going to play them. A better understanding of knowing where you can go with the football. Pre-snap reads are absolutely huge in everyone's offense, JT. Mm-hmm. But most especially this offense. More times than not, it's the quarterback coming to the line, reading the safeties, and then looking at the corners to see if they're playing outside or inside coverage, uh, maintaining discipline. But there were there were a couple times during this Giants games, guys, where there was a big voice in the middle of the defense because the linebackers were up close or they had ran out there or they were blitzing for for Aiden to be able to hit slants behind. And it turned out to be very well because there's nobody in the middle. That's just being smart and taking what the defense gives you. And that's what you're going to need more of going forward. I thought Aiden played a lot better than he did in the Charger game, mainly because his internal clock was sped up. But also the fact, and here's the main call, guys, he had a running game. He didn't have or my decision making up top if we don't have to. First and second down, if we can run the ball and get uh rip, right? We saw that play to Trey Tucker. We saw that explosive play that we've all been dying to see. And and I'm just curious, like when you look at the offensive game plan in, in totality, right? And the importance of putting uh, Aiden in positions of yes, the, I'm comfortable here, I'm comfortable there, but also the the importance of having that deep threat. What does that do for an offense when they have to acknowledge that, Lincoln? Well, it makes the defense be honest, Eddie. And the thing about it is that that last play that you talk, I mean, that play you're talking about with Trey Tucker, the Giants were bringing a blitz, and the safeties are playing shallow. There's no safety in the deep third. You got to take that shot. And if you don't, defenses aren't going to respect it. See, if you don't take those types of shot, guys, they're going to walk a safety up in the box if they think number eight is going to get the football or they think that you're going to go short. They're going to walk another safety up in the box to try to take away the double move that Hunter Renfro has done in the past. Hasn't seen a lot of it this year, but if it's not Devontae Adams or if it's Hunter Renfro or even Jacoby Myers, they want to take that away. So they want to take the short and intermediate routes that the Raiders have been living on throughout the season. They want to take those away. So you've got to take those deep shots and it's a great job that Tucker was able to stretch out for that football and bring it in because now it, it, it that resonates in defensive coordinators' minds. And if I was a defensive coordinator, like when I used to coach my sons, when especially on defense, I used to tell my oldest son, do not let anybody behind you. And I used to make him run or do push-ups if anybody ever got behind him because I'm telling the safety, you're the last word. I don't want anybody behind you. So that you'll see defenses will probably go back to that if they're fe- if they're threatened by the deep pass. Lincoln, I've been dying to ask you this all week. The playbook that was here two weeks ago had a lot of verbiage, a lot of verbiage, and the play caller, the former head coach, Josh McDaniels, didn't give anybody any room. You're going to run the play. And that was his way. That's fine. That's, he was very successful with that. You're going to run the play, and you're going to run this play exclusively. Maybe go to the second option. Is there a chance with the, with the complicated verbiage to not throw out the playbook but have a completely different one and take away some of the plays that didn't work and some of the conservative plays and get more aggressive for a new play caller? How complicated is that? Because when they went five wide and they hit Trey and they're running some crossing routes that you and I have been talking about forever around here, they finally ran them. Could we see a new playbook the second half of the season? I'm leery to say that you go for a new playbook now because you don't have the time to install it and Mm -hmm. practice it what i would say is if that was the case if that's something that you're truly looking for and it's something that maybe the coaching staff want to do i don't know but you would use the buy you would you would prepare Mm -hmm. up until the point as you use the buy uh you're going to use the buy i I was i'll share this with you guys my most successful season as a professional was our super bowl year i i i'm i'm might be exaggerating but i doubt it seriously Guys, we only ran 11 plays, 11, 12 plays. 
My we point. had different variations of those plays. And what typically, in my experience, when you come to training camp, or even these days, because you have mini camps, when you go to mini camp, you'll have an offensive coordinator or offensive minded coach that'll come out and give you the whole entire playbook. And it's about the size of two phone books, old school phone books. I know a lot of our listeners <laughs> don't know what phone books are, but old school phone books used to be really thick, used to be that size. And they would literally try to go through every single play to see what what keeps, what touches, what what makes sense for this type of team that you have. And the reason why I say that is that you could still have that. Bo can still do that. However, you want to take a few minuscule things from the old playbook, mm-hmm. mix it in with your new playbook, and then you want to try to find a way to do different variations, and that's what the bio will be used for. So it's not a new playbook mm-hmm. by any stretch, but it might just be a, some changes and variations to figure out what you do well towards the second half of the season. Got you know, like we've spent so much time talking about the offense for good reason. It was exciting. It was explosive. It was candidly what all of us have wanted to see for about eight weeks, but shifting to the defensive side of the football, Max Crosby playing out of his mind against me if you've heard that before, but Link with three sacks uh, against the Giants on Sunday. JT and I were kind of talking about it. What does this man need to do to kind of ascend into that national conversation for Defensive Player of the Year? Because you look at just the numbers, take the name away of it, uh, take the name away. This guy is playing at an elite level in 2023. The only problem is that the guys that are in front of him or talked about more have been doing it longer. Mm. That's the only problem. I mean, Max Crosby has already positioned himself as one of those stellar standout defensive players. There's no doubt about it. But when you talk about T.J. Watt, you talk about Aaron Donald, and I'm just throwing out names. I don't know where they are statistically. I don't have them up in front of me. But you talk about other players that have been the player of the year. Max is going to get his due, his his recognition. But I also tell it comes down to the overall wins loss for the team, you know, how they finish that, and more importantly, who else, how this defense plays on from here on out. Because it's games like that, at times like that, you know, when you saw the Giants game that you'll see even more Sunday night, when you get that primetime recognition that you'll resonate in people's minds. And it's been my experience that usually once a year, the year before when a guy has a breakout year, now he puts himself on the, on the top of everybody's tongue to talk about those conversations. If he continue to do it, then you'll be noticed. But, I mean, that's the only issue. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think Max Crosby should be considered for player defensive player of the year, without a doubt. But I, I also know the guys that are kind of talked about in, in the media spotlight ahead of him have been doing it for a little bit longer than he has. I'm really enjoying watching the defensive line play. I, I am. I like the stunts. I like the rotation. I've complained about it in the past. It seemed to be one guy who played at a high level and everyone else were just guys trying to do their job. That's not the case anymore. I'm very proud to say that and see that around this team and getting to know some of the guys that they really want to be involved in this Max Crosby conversation. It must be interesting to be in that locker room and everybody's talking about Max and he's getting all the media. He's going on all the big shows and they're sitting there going, hey, I want a little bit of this and they're playing that way. And I want to talk about the secondary Lincoln, the ball hawks and the plays they're making. Marcus Peters with a tip. Hobbs gets an interception. Amik Robinson's uh, interception was one of the highlights. It'll be a top five this year no matter what happens. We've got a lot of football left. So do you see the confidence? And what do you see? Because you see it on the same level as Patrick Graham, a couple of boots down. Do you think it's that much better with him seeing the field that wide and that high up with the safeties and the corners on the back end? Well, I know Patrick Graham, Coach Graham wants to have a, he wants to use, utilize either a two or a three safety look. And there's mm-hmm. been times where they've had to do it 
Um, mainly because of injuries, we've seen that Marcus Epps has had to come down out of from a safety position to be more of a, almost like a, a, a nickel safety or a dime safety type of where he's playing over tight ends or playing against somebody with multiple receiver sets. So to answer your point, JT and Eddie, um, look, the, the, the secondary has been playing well enough. They've been playing, in my opinion, well enough all year, allow the defensive line to get to get sacks. It's just that when quarterbacks have been able to extend plays using their legs, it's been it's made a, a little bit of a breakdown for the for the secondary. And there has been some sort of uh, sort of executions to break down some you, some missed laps. You saw the last touchdown. The, actually, the touchdown the Giants has was a miss uh, blown coverage. You've seen it a couple of times. So they're starting to finally condense some of those. But you know, for the most part. The secondary has really had to do a magical juggling job where you talk about the injuries to some of the players and then the fact that they're really thin at linebacker. They had to make some adjustments at linebacker, had to let a couple of the defensive backs go. So it's a really strong challenge, but you've got to get a rush that's going to get there. And just a little side note, uh, talking about the locker room. You know what? If I'm Adam Butler, I've got a serious gripe to pick with Max Crosby <laughs> because they credited Max Crosby with that sack. That was Adam Butler's sack. That was his sack, and they gave it to Max Crosby. They didn't even give Adam a half a sack the last stat sheet that I saw. So I think he's got a serious gripe. This, you know, number ninety-eight's good, but he doesn't take it all. We were, we all were there too to share in, share in the wealth. So the big, the big guy, I, I, I think it was gripe. Yeah, the big guy's got to eat, Link. But I'm, I'm glad you brought up Absolutely. that. I'm glad you brought up that point about some of the faces, some of the names that names that have changed in the secondary because we look at at some of the rotation and the the secondary, the, especially the DBs that we've trotted out there, are not necessarily the guys that we thought were going to be rolling out there week one. And I think Patrick Graham deserves so much credit for getting these guys ready, right? Whether it's a Marcus Peters, a Meek Robertson, a Ja'Korian Bennett, Nate Hobbs, who's missed a handful of games this year. Like, Link, Patrick Graham has done such an incredible job of having these guys ready and not having the top two guys ready, the top three guys ready, but having that entire collective on the back end ready to rock because they have never known when their day is going to be, but whoever's been in there, for the most part, has done a really nice job. It's, Eddie, when you walk into the locker room, you're walking over to those guys. It's when you sit there as a coach and you say, look, I need you to be a professional here. Mm. I need you to go out and do your job. You're going to get your opportunity. When you do, you got to make the best of it. I mean, how about, you know, look at this past game when when Marcus Peters went down with apparent, it seemed like a, a knee injury. He was on the bench. You know, Jacorian Bennett had to go out there and play. Now, he's had a little bit of an up-and-down season, mm -hmm. right? So you talk about confidence might be waning. You never know where he's at. But he goes out there and makes a couple of plays, gets fired up, and they're able to finish the game strong. He's able to finish the game strong. There's going to be times where you're going to be tested like that throughout the season, and you've got to make the best of your test. Obviously, you know, Robinson has done the best of his test, but you, we talk about how many times has that other corner spot other than Mar opposite of Marcus Peters gone through a change? How many mm -hmm. times have we seen different guys there? And we're still seeing a rotation. you got to play a rotation. When you, you've got to figure out what's right for you because let's face it when you get into the games like Kansas City who's going to cover Travis Kelsey he's been a, ne a, a nemesis to us ever since he, you know, he came into the league when you play Miami how are you going to cover their multiple wide receiver set especially with all that speed of Tyreek Hill so you kind of have to get these things uh good it's it's better for the Raiders that they've got some offensively challenged teams that they're facing as we work up to those moments all right Link I'm going to wrap it up taking a look ahead at the Jets and on Monday night football they really struggled and you could see the disconnect on the side Line. They couldn't believe it. Aaron Rodgers was shaking his head. Robert Sala was shaking his head. Zach Wilson just played terribly. And he played better at times this year. And the team's got a 4-4 four and four record. they got a lot to play for here. They're right there with the Bills in the division. Yeah. They were ahead of them going into that game. So I look at the stat that jumps out at me the most. The Jets are 30th in rush defense at 137.3. Raiders are 31st. We give up 138.7. So this is 30th and 31st. 
jumps out at me that both teams are going to want to establish the run. This is an elite secondary for the Jets with Sauce Gardner. They're good on the back end. We got a young quarterback who's a rookie here. Would you assume it's going to be a heavy load of Josh Jacobs because of what you saw with the Jets on defense and especially the fact that their offense turns it over a lot? JT, Eddie, with with this, any team, any going in any game game plan, you want to have a heavy dose of run. Mm-hmm. The, the running game helps out the quarterback. It helps out. It helps you set up the pass. It helps you set everything else. You want to have more run. But more importantly, I don't want to get into a pass-happy game because the the Jets do have a pretty good uh, pass rush. And, and Robert Sala's teams have always been able to rush the quarterback mm. successfully with four guys. So I don't want to get in a pass-happy game. I want to be able to run the football. I want to definitely be able to take advantage of that. So much like the keys for the Giants game, same for the Jets game. Run the football and stop the run. And that's going to be imperative. But the big thing is that if you're the Raiders, you can't take any type of solace in the fact the other team's offense is struggling. You have to go out there and do it. What the Raiders need to do, and they need to do ex- exceptionally well this week, two guys, score touchdowns. You get in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns. You got to score because that's how you put the pressure on the opposing team. That's what you saw last night in that Jets game. When the, when, when, when the Chargers went up by touchdowns, the Jets can't play conservative. You can't run the ball three, four times in a, in a series. You got to pass the ball to get back downfield, try to get scores. Then you become one dimensional. You play into the line of the defense, the hands of the defense. Yeah. And like we look at the Jets and I think for me, you hit the nail on the head with the red zone efficiency. And let's see if the Raiders can kind of ride that wave of momentum, putting up touchdowns instead of field goals against the Jets team that candidly has had a hard time scoring points in 2023. But for me, like, we look at what happened to Zach Wilson last night, having a hard time getting on, controlling the ball, keeping the ball in his hands. This is a Max Crosby game. Is. This is a Max Crosby. This is a defensive line game. Go make life miserable for Zach Wilson. And if they're able to do that, Link, I really like what they're going to be able to do on the defensive side, excuse me, defensive side of the football and making life difficult for a young quarterback. If you get any pressure on any quarterback, I don't care who it is, they're going to, they're going to have a hard time. And because if they're starting to look down at the rush rather than looking down downfield, advantage defense. That's what you want. That's why if you hit a quarterback, you hit him early, or you show that you're going to blitz him and harass him, and it gets him a little frazzled, gets him a little worked up, advantage defense. That's what, exactly what you want. And that's what you. That's when you've seen when Zach Wilson has struggled, guys. That's what I've seen. He's been pressed because he feels I've got to get it to my star receiver, or I've got to get the ball downfield, or we've got to get a touchdown. That type of pressure does not bode well for any player, let alone a quarterback. Antonio Pierce got his first win, and normally I would say this if it was an interim coach. The game before means nothing if you can't win the Jet game. Mm-hmm. I would always say that as long as I've been in this building, except this last win was so important. It was a culture change, a quarterback change. It was an offensive coordinator change. Everything was on the line in the win against the Giants, and bravo for the Raiders for getting it. That being said, we watched this Jet team, and this Jet team has got to be beaten here at Allegiant Stadium. This is a home game. This is a home game. It's not on the road. And this game looks a lot to me like Chicago. Okay, here's why it looks like Chicago. Chicago was playing terribly, and then the Raiders went in there and had no juice. That was the beginning of the end for the former regime. That's not going to happen now. It's brand new for Antonio Pierce. Energy's going to be high. It's going to be different momentum. There is momentum. And the key, it's a home game. 
We got trapped in Chicago. We were not ready to play. Something wasn't right against the Bears, and everybody got blown out for that. Now this game's coming up. Don't make it look like the Bears. Don't make it look like the Bears in the first five minutes, in the first ten minutes, and if something happens and the Jets are in the game, play great and come from behind and win it. But, Lincoln, you know what I'm saying here, because this is the big moment. This can get the Raiders to 5-5 and and an opportunity to really look towards the end of the year and have big momentum. They've got to finish the Jets, who are a wounded animal, coming off that terrible performance on Monday Night Football. JT, it's it's never that. I mean, well, it's that simple, but it goes without saying when you talk about the level of consequences when you're playing good versus playing bad. You know, you talked about the Bears game. I even go back to the Pittsburgh game. Because when you have a team that's scratching their head offensively challenged about what they're capable of doing, what you want to do is you want to jump on them early and jump on them hard enough to really make them seriously second guess. Like they were going to, they'd done all the games before then. We couldn't, we couldn't close out this thing with the Steelers. Didn't have a good performance at all going up against the Bears. Solid performance against the Giants, but we knew we should beat the Giants. We should beat the Jets. And I say that because I think the Raiders are a better offensive team than the Jets. So they should be able to score more than the Jets. However, you still have to go out there and do it. And I'm waiting to see if this team can max, match the type of energy we saw against the Giants, if they can match it again in front of the Allegiant home crowd. Thank you, Lincoln. We'll see you at Allegiant primetime on Sunday night. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Hope you enjoyed that version of Raiders Roundtable. Please subscribe on YouTube. And while you're on YouTube, check out my new YouTube page. I'm right there on YouTube. I'm streaming hopefully a couple of times a week, every Tuesday to be exact, JT the Brick YT. And I'm going to build that sucker. I'm going to build that sucker out. And Modelo is my first partner on my podcast. So not only are they supporting the radio show here with us, at Lotus Broadcasting, but they're also sponsoring my podcast. So I'm really happy about the relationship we have. So as we head into the weekend with Veterans Day, the military, those who have lost their lives, those who continue to serve, thank a member of the military. I love to do it. It happens all the time, especially at a Raider game. Those in uniform, those on the sideline, uh, Al Davis before, Mrs. Davis and Mark Davis really go out of their way to do a great job connecting the football team with those who have served in the past. And you're going to have that big vibe going on, especially for the anthem and especially for halftime here. I think it's going to be a very serious attitude at the game. You know, there's a lot of concerts and music and all of that. I think this one's going to be a really diehard Raider football game for Raider fans who are coming in. Jet fans are coming in. When this game was first set up, it was Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football versus Devontae Adams. Well, fourth play of the year. Aaron Rodgers goes down with a torn Achilles, and the rest is history. Zach Wilson must go down. He must go down hard early in the game here, and they'll have an opportunity to win. Zach Wilson, I think, is going to play better than he did on Monday night. I think he's going to make some throws, and he's going to attack, and he's going to try to run away from Max Crosby. And hopefully Max can have another game, maybe three sacks, maybe three and a half, maybe two and a half, and hopefully a good game for Tyree Wilson. And I love what Bilal Nichols has done and Jenkins and Butler in the middle. The defensive line is vastly improved. We spent a lot of time, you heard Coach talk about Robert Spillane playing through that hand injury. And whoever else we're going to see here is that injury report 
is going to be very important when we see it on Saturday and especially on Sunday's game day. Teams get banged up, and the Raiders haven't even had their bye week yet. This team is fighting for this game. Let's forget about Miami. Let's forget about Kansas City and put down the Jets. Thanks for a great week, everybody. Bobby Machado does it all. He puts the show together. He puts everything together, books the guest, and we had a big week here, rightfully so. Next week, it'll be Miami, plus F1 in town as the Raiders will head out to South Florida, hopefully with an opportunity to win a big game and keep the momentum going. Thanks for listening to the flagship of the Raiders. This is Raider Nation Radio. Be the Raider.